What is going on? Happy Friday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I do exist. I am a person. Government told me so, so I am. No, I, I, I spent my day yesterday in what I thought was going to be uh, a government bureaucratic hellscape. It actually, uh, it went, it went very well. It went very well. And they confirmed for me what I kind of already suspected, which was that I, I do have an address and I do, I am, I am a person. So, um, yeah. So, uh, thanks very much to Chad Adams for filling in for me yesterday. I do appreciate that. And we, um, we can always count on him to, uh, to help us out with that. So, uh, but man, like I, he talks very fast because I was driving around and I could listen to the show and he's a very fast talker. I love Chad. He's, but he's a fast talker. I thought I talked fast. Um, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the numbers. I got a lot to get to today. I got Madison Cawthorn, Jesse Small, uh, sorry, Juicy Smollett, um, and, uh, Patrick Cannon. Doing a series of sit-down interviews. I've got audio, and uh, but I do. I, I need to start with the uh, with the DMV because uh, I want to uh, give a shout out to Scott, uh, who was the uh, the kind gentleman that helped me out at the. Well, see, I almost said which office I went to. I'm not. Well, no, this is. This is the thing that you learn. You never divulge the fishing hole location, and you never tell people where your favorite sledding hill is. Because if you do, then you're not the only one that's going to be fishing in the hole, and you're not the only one that's going to be sledding on the hill. So you keep those things secret. But let's just say I did not go to one of the DMV offices in Charlotte. I got to do that a couple weeks back with my wife. The problem has been, uh, and I've talked a little bit about this. I'm not going to go into all of the excruciating details, but essentially there was a, we had our, our house as part of a new subdivision that was getting built. And so we were the first ones to move in on the block and our address did not get recognized. And so everything is tied to that register. Like, all of the computer programs, all of that stuff, they all go to the U.S. Postal Service website. And if it's not in their register, or not website, but in their register, and if it's not in their register, then you don't exist. That house isn't there. And so I couldn't update my driver's license uh, online, so I had to make an appointment. And the driver's license appointment-making platform is awful, just awful. You got to... It, you got to click. So, like, first thing you do is, hey, all right, I need to get to the DMV. What do I do? Uh, well, you got to go over to the website, and then you you get a list of all of the offices, and then you have to click each office, which takes you to a different page, and then you got to click on the calendar, and then the calendar opens up, and then you got to click on the day, and then you see the next available dates or times, rather. That's the the only way you get to see these things is an each individual office. And then once you're like, oh, okay, well, I can't make any of these appointments or, oh my gosh, the earliest I can get in is like April 11th. Then, well, let me check another office. Oh, how do I do that? You got to go back out of the program and then come back in and pick a different office. Meanwhile, people are canceling their appointments and making appointments. So it's constantly changing. 
So that's how I ended up getting this appointment yesterday. Well, my wife did. Christy got it for me. She was stalking that thing. And um, she got me this appointment. I was like, I got to go in there because, like, I got to get registered to vote. I got to get my concealed carry updated. I got to do all of these things. And I can't get it done because the register isn't updated. We went, like, almost a full month before we could even access our mailbox, which, again, shout out to Charlie at the Postal Service for helping us get that done. But, um... So I go into the DMV yesterday, and I so I, while I'm here, you know what? I'll get the real ID too. I'll upgrade. So I do the uh, the real ID, and so I got to present the birth certificate. And Scott at the DMV says, "Ah, another New Yorker." <laughs> and I said, "I said now, in my defense, I have been down here since 1992," and that seemed to. That seemed to uh, kind of ease the waters a little bit. No, no, so I asked, I'm just messing, but he, I asked him, like, how many New Yorkers do you see a day here at the Mount? Oh, I almost said it. I almost divulged the location. Because this, this office is appointment only. That's it. And so it's very, it was a very pleasant experience. I never thought, I did not ever think I would say that about a DMV experience, but it was a very pleasant experience. Plus, I got an updated picture. I think the last picture I got was from roughly 1998. It's, they were using the same photo. Yeah. Which a TSA agent one time said, wow, this picture was taken about a minute ago, huh? Sarcastically, of course. Like, yeah. Like, I had no gray hair in that picture. But um, he said, Scott at DMV said, he sees between three and four New Yorkers a day coming in there. Three to four New Yorkers per day. And that doesn't even count the New Jerseyans, New, New Jerseyans, New Jerseyites, New, Jer- New, New, New Jerseyans, as well as the people from Pennsylvania. Those are the top three, he said. The tri-state area, as they call it up there. The tri-state area exporting all of these people down to, uh, apparently, uh, Gaston County. That's where a lot... Oh, dang it! <laughs> All right. Because the nice thing about the DMV, I know I can't believe I just said those words either, but the nice thing about the DMV is that you can go anywhere in the state. So you go to the smaller offices and you're going to get uh, a better, uh, probably a better user experience, let's say. I'm just, look, I've been to a couple DMVs in Charlotte and, well, there was, I mean, there was a guy, I think he was a drill instructor and he was from the Bronx at the West location, but he had to be. Like, is dealing with the people, like, he told those people in line, he was like, we're not going to get to you walk-ins today. You could just leave. All the appointments are already behind, so you're not, we're not seeing any walk-ins. And they just kept hanging around. And he was like, am I, am I crazy? Did I not just tell you guys, like, half an hour ago? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, but the Postal Service, they told us that we were on the register. And then when I went to DMV, Scott said, you're not in the register. I had to override the address system so i'm kind of but i don't care i got the driver's license update that's what i cared about so we're we're getting mail delivered now so at some point it's got to fix itself and then i will be a fully recognized domiciled individual in mecklenburg county so there's that tale my tale of bureaucratic hell not quite as helly as i thought it would be
News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender Show. And uh, thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it, letting me be a part of your day. It's always appreciated. Um, also, tickets on sale for WBT's 100th anniversary celebration. It is presented by the Center for TMJ and Sleep Apnea. It's going to be on Saturday, April 9th at Halton Theater. So uh, if you go to WBT.com, you can get details. You can get tickets there. Uh, and I'm going to be there. I mean, this is the biggest gathering of WBT personnel and alumni ever assembled in one place at one time. And so uh, we're also going to be doing inductions into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I will hang around afterwards. I can't promise beforehand because I just don't know what the schedule is going to be like beforehand. But uh, I'll hang around. And so if you want to come out and meet me, I will be there uh, on uh, April 9th. You should as well. Saturday, April 9th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, I got an email here from Joseph who says, you ain't got no secret, you big city New Yorker. We all know the Mount Holly DMV is where you go if you absolutely have to go to the DMV. They are the best. And all these Yankee refugees are making houses outrageously priced. Luckily, soon, when Beyond Thunderdome becomes reality, I'll just claim whatever property my armaments can secure. I did not say what DMV office I went to. I've also heard good things about Albemarle, by the way, the Albemarle DMV. That's where uh, one of my uh, Patreon followers, one of the, they, uh, they described the, uh, their experience last night with the uh, Albemarle DMV. It's very similar to the, my, to the one that I went to at an undisclosed location. That may or may not, I am not confirming or denying that that's the one I went to. Um, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Matthew Rosenberg, probably not going to have a lot of friends uh, left at work. He's a writer for the New York Times, and uh, he got stung. I think is how you say that when you're the target of a sting. You're the you're the stingy or stung. Anyway, he got videotaped undercover by Project Veritas, <laughs> which. All right, I'm just going to throw this out there. All right, if you are a single guy. You better be very, very careful. If you work in media or big tech, you better be careful going on the dating apps. And I don't know this is how Project Veritas got Rosenberg, but it seems like they were out at a restaurant. He was having a drink. And he was and and the person that was interviewing him was a female. So I'm not sure if that's how they uh fished for him but just a heads up <laughs> like i think i think they're i think they're getting access via the dating apps and they keep getting these guys have you noticed that they keep getting guys and they're being interviewed by girls so okay i'm sorry i did not mean to ascribe gender i just assumed I, anyway matthew rosenberg described internal divisions at the New York Times between some of his reasonable colleagues, his word, reasonable colleagues, and the younger, more ideological leftists, employees, uh, leftist employees, in a new video released by Project Veritas. The video is part of, uh, part two of a series featuring Rosenberg, a national security correspondent for the paper. In the first part released earlier this week, Rosenberg criticized the left's response to the January 6th, 2021 riot at the Capitol 
and mocked some of his colleagues for acting traumatized, his word, by the events of that day. <clears throat> so he doesn't believe that they're really traumatized. Or, or maybe they're somewhat, maybe a little bit traumatized, but are exaggerating the level of traumatization. In part two of the hidden camera sting, he elaborated on a, quote, real internal tug of war at the Times between, quote, reasonable people and some of the crazier leftist poop, but he didn't say poop, that worked its way in there. Quote, they're not the majority, but they're very vocal, loud minority that dominates social media and therefore has just hugely outsized influence. Rosenberg did not identify these younger colleagues by name, but he did elaborate on how the broader American culture has impacted employees at the company, which in turn has shaped how the paper covers news and responds to controversies. And this is a, he makes a very valid point here. He says, quote, so if our broader culture is in a moment where everybody thinks they know best, that's going to end up reflecting itself. We are part of that culture. I don't think they're consciously aware of these opinions. Like, you know, you inhabit the world you live in. This is, I always say, a fish doesn't know it's wet, right? This is a world right now where everybody seems to think they have the answer to everything. And if you don't believe that, just go check out Facebook and see all of the epidemiologist experts that then became Ukraine-Russia experts overnight. Anyway, in another clip, he described some of the people who worked for the Times as, quote, very high-achieving, very neurotic people. Indeed. And you can see it in how they approach the world and why they get freaked out over things. Whereas like the rest of us are like, I'm just going to go on and live my life. In another clip, he says social media has played a huge role in how younger people at the paper behave. He says, you got a small group of these elite that are basically they're bullies, kind of privileged. I think this is where the social media piece comes into it. Personalities that would have been considered toxic in most places that would have been shunned kind of get elevated by social media because you lose the context of what they have done. If somebody's behaving that way uh, in person in an office of 40 people, like they behave on Twitter, they're going to face social repercussions for that. But that's not the case on Twitter. You get a hallelujah chorus cheering you on. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. So, to me, the money quote from Matthew Rosenberg, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist at the New York Times, who's just ripping his colleagues at the New York Times in this undercover video from Project Veritas. He described some of the people who work for the Times as very high-achieving, very neurotic people. In a related story, Juicy Small A got uh, sentenced yesterday. Yeah. Um, after hours of excuses and distraction from his attorneys, actor Jussie Smollett was sentenced yesterday. And after he got the, well, here, I'll, you just listen for yourself. I'm fashioning the following sentence, and here's your sentence. I'm sentencing you to 30 months felony probation, and the probation is going to be to this court. You're going to be allowed to travel wherever you want. You do not have to live in the state of Illinois. You can report by phone. I know that uh, if you're going to...
try to make a living and do some of the things you do, you may have to go to uh, other, other places, New York and Los Angeles. You can do those things. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of $120,106. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine. And you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. And that will start today, right here, right now. Mr. Smollett, though the jury found you guilty and I've sentenced you as I have, you have the right to appeal the findings and rulings of the court or ask your sentence to be modified. To do those things, you need to file a notice of appeal in writing within 30 days. You may also file a motion to modify your sentence, which would have to be filed in writing within 30 days. Anything not stated in those filings are waived for purposes of appeal. You cannot afford lawyers or transcripts. They would be provided for your charge. Do you have any questions? No, I would just like to say to Your Honor that I am... Uh, I am not suicidal. That's what I was about to say. Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years, and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you, and I respect the jury, but I did not do this, and I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself, and you must all know that. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time, I am not suicidal. Okay. Okay. Dude's totally going to fake a suicide. Totally. Good. I mean, look, we know he's a terrible writer for these performances. And look, he tried to do it. It's one thing about actors, you know, professional liars. They... They all fancy themselves to be like brilliant uh, writers and directors too, you know? You always hear those stories. I mean, I know I'm generalizing here, but you always hear those stories about the actor who thinks they can direct, who thinks they can write, and it turns out, no, just leave that to the writers because the writers are better at writing. That's why they are called writers. And when Jussie Smollett tried to freelance a little, tried to write some scripts for himself... Well, now he's going to jail for it. And I think this little speech that he just gave, and I'll, 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 well, here, I'll just say it now. He says, I would just like to say, Your Honor, I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If it, uh, if this then, uh, if I'm reading this, this is a terrible transcript. If did this, I think he's supposed to say, if I did this, then it means I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. I don't even know what he's talking about there. But he's he's claiming that he's wrongly convicted. He did not do this. And just so everyone knows, he is not suicidal. So if he fakes a suicide in prison, he didn't do that. Someone else did it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the going rate is to fake one suicide or help somebody to help you fake a suicide or whatever. It's probably cheaper in prison than it was out on the streets of Chicago. Probably a couple packs of cigarettes or something. I got to believe that. Um, he gets 150 days in the uh, jail. 
30 months probation, $120,000 plus in restitution to the city of Chicago, plus a $25,000 fine. And he is still proclaiming to be the victim. Also, I saw it pointed out that, uh, what's the show, the morning show with Robin Roberts? Uh, Is that Good Morning America, I think, with Michael Strahan as well? She was not on the air today. Because remember, she was the one that did the sit-down interview with him and helped to promote this hoax. And she was off. I'm sure it was just a coincidentally timed day off. Maybe she had to go to DMV. Maybe she needed to go and update her, a, a new home or something in the U.S. Postal Service registry. You, you just don't know. That could that could be the case. Um, all right, Madison Cawthorn, let's... Uh, Let's go ahead and deal with this. <laughs> oh, Madison. Madison, Madison, Madison. All right. So number one, well, let me just, let me start here because I'm not going to have time to get into all the details before the traffic update. There are two different stories here, but I told this to a Republican group in Buncombe County uh, about a year or so ago because I'm a, I'm a registered unaffiliated voter, but because I believe myself to be reasonable and logical, I tend to vote more along the lines for Republicans because, generally speaking, their policies tend to be more reasonable and logical. Now, that being said, I really don't like being embarrassed by having to disclose that I voted for somebody that is embarrassing. It's, it's, it's part of what makes me me. I, I, I don't like to be embarrassed by uh, my leadership and by the people I vote for. I think Madison Cawthorn has run up a lot of um, examples that that could very well swing my vote and people like me who don't like to vote for people who are constantly in the news for wrong reasons. It could swing somebody away from him. We'll get into some of those details. The Rolling Stones. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Here is Dean, and uh, welcome to the program. Dean, how are you? I'm doing fine, Pete. Glad to hear you're in your new place. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. So, Jesse Smollett obviously was trying to tell the world that he knows something about Epstein. And that's what he was trying to voice yesterday. Possible. What does he know, and when did he know it? Uh, and that's what we may never find out. But was uh, was Epstein was Epstein in Chicago, or was he was at New York, where he uh, hanged he himself? Over. Yeah. But you got to say who came to the aid, Jesse Smollett. People who came to his aid right off the bat are in that inner circle. That's true. Everybody rallied around him. I think uh, didn't Kamala Harris say that she knew him as well, mm-hmm. friends of the family or something. Yeah. Well, let's see, they started off as a joke, and now it's got me uh, walking uh, uh, cautiously down the path of conspiracy theory lane. Well, the guy died in France in jail. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and and what's her face? Gislaine Maxwell, like she 
put out that thing too, saying like, I'm not going to, if, if something happens to me in here, it's uh, it, somebody else did it. So maybe that's, maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe he was part of the ring and now they're just, they're picking off. Maybe somebody did attack him and then framed him so they could get him into the prison. So then they, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Have a great week. All right, Dean, you too. Appreciate the call. Good to hear from you, man. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get to the Madison Cawthorn stories. <laughs> it's generally, if you see your name trending on Twitter, it's probably not a good idea to check it. But um, all right, yesterday, WRAL dumped this video, which, um, well, I have the audio here. Let me hang on, pull this up here so you can take a listen. It's pretty bad audio, so... But you, you can, I think you'll be able to decipher uh, what it is that Madison Cawthorn told a group up in Asheville. He was doing a town hall or something in Asheville, and somebody was recording it, and then uh, that made its way into an opinion article written by Carl Rove that was published in the Wall Street Journal on Wednesday. Rove said, uh, he, was, uh, he said that Cawthorn made these comments Saturday at a town hall event in Asheville. Send stinger missiles over to them so they can defend themselves better. But remember that Zelensky is a thug. Remember that the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt and it is incredibly evil and it has been pushing woke ideologies and it really just the new woke world. All right, and that's where it cuts off. So the first thing I need to say is media, I don't trust you. Because you guys have proven time and 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 time again that you will take an audio clip, and what's the phrase they use when talking about Project Veritas? They say he selectively edits the audio, which, on the one hand, as one who has worked in media now for 20-plus years, all editing is selective. Just not for nothing, just all editing is selective. That's the point. It is It is the definition of editing. You are selecting a portion of a larger thing and editing it. Now what you're what they're insinuating with the nebulous term of selective editing, what they're insinuating is that they're making you say something that you didn't say or they're making it sound like you're saying something that you didn't mean to say. That's what they accuse Project Veritas of doing while doing it themselves. Time and time and time again and I mean, I can go all the way back to the the, the George Zimmer, Trayvon uh, or uh, uh, Trayvon Martin, uh, yeah, Trayvon Martin case, uh, all the way back to that one. It, it's been going on for a very long time. Most recently, like almost quite literally everything that Donald Trump said, which because he speaks the way he speaks, I call it word salad. He speaks in these flights of ideas, these little chunks of thoughts, and then he just you know bookends them with different tangents and stuff. It was very easy for media to do it. And so I had to, every time I would hear a clip, like, can you believe that Donald Trump said blah, blah, blah. And then I would have to go and find the audio clip of what Trump said, watch it. And then I'd have to go find the larger audio clip and watch the rest of it to find out what the context was and whether he was being misquoted. And usually he was being selectively edited to make it sound like he said stuff that he didn't say or wasn't wasn't meaning they could that you took this one part and used it to convey a meaning that he was not intending to convey. So I have not seen the larger audio of this or heard the larger uh, clip 
of Cawthorn's appearance. All I have seen is the short little version that I just played for you. So I don't know. But he does say that the uh, Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, is a thug. I don't know if that's true or not. And here's the thing. I was talking with uh, Brett Winterbull, actually, the other day uh, on Wednesday when I was leaving and he was coming in and we chit-chat as we're handing off the studio and I told him then, I've said this before on air, like, I am not an expert on Ukraine or Russia or what is going on over there. Because the first casualty in war is truth. And all of these nations and actors are engaging in some pretty advanced and sophisticated propaganda because, of course, they are. It's part of every war effort. You got to keep your people motivated and you want to try to dispirit your opponents. So, of course, they are. And yes, by the way, I am aware Ukraine kind of has a bit of a reputation as corrupt. In fact, I remember Democrats impeaching Donald Trump because of that, right? Because he had a phone call with the new Ukrainian president and they impeached him. Over the corruption of Ukraine, not Joe Biden, of course, where he talked about the corruption of Ukraine, bragged about how he pressured them to fire somebody. So, but I digress. I am aware of Ukraine's history, and maybe this is what Cawthorn was talking about, that there is this history that Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt and it is incredibly evil. I, I don't know about that. And I also don't know which government is he talking about, because there was one government in like 2014. There was the the revolution, right? The 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 color revolution. I think like we may have probably been involved in that. Right. And uh, then he says, though, this thing about the woke ideologies pushing woke ideologies. And this is where I don't understand. Like, I am unaware of the, the wokeism coming from the Ukraine. I, I did not know that was occurring. And I've. I've I fancy myself pretty up to speed on the the wokeism itself, but not Ukraine. So maybe they are a source of all of that. I don't know. I'm not sure. All right. We'll get into the other story about Madison Cawthorn in the next hour.